Hello, everybody. Richie Melby, Slim Kim, a latest episode of your MontanaSports.com podcast as we get set for week eight, which sounds ridiculous to say out loud. I uh, was thinking about that earlier this week that we talked about it last week. Playoffs are already right around the corner in some of these uh, subdivisions. And then by the end of the month, everybody but Class AA is going to be in a winner-go-home situation, which is really crazy to think. <laughs> I mean, the snow's already flying, so you have to expect that the playoffs are going to be just around the corner. And yeah, like you mentioned, the 8-man North starting things off with its subdivision playoffs, uh, so getting those started this weekend. Do you like it being this early with the subdivision stuff? I mean, it's not winner-go-home at this point, but it's win and get a one seed, win and get a three seed, so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else the North was going to do with the 13-team league. So, um, you know, I've always liked, you know, in basketball, volleyball, every other sport, we have district tournaments. So, um, you know, I like that there's um, a little extra incentive, but uh, I also like that you, if you're able, in a perfect world, it'd be nice just to play everybody once and then just to rank them that way. But uh, the North, unable to do that this year with a 13-team league. Heck with it. Let's just jump straight into eight-man football since that is the first in the postseason, and that is where we've got the big one that we've been figuring that we would have all along here. Great Falls Central, what do we got them? Three, four, Shelby's in the top five as well. And they get to clash uh, in Shelby for a chance to be the number one seed in the North. Either way, they're both going to have a home playoff game when it comes to it. But, uh, boy, this is where we thought we would be, and this is exactly where we are come, what is this weekend, October 12th? Uh, is October that, 12th. I believe this one's played on Friday. Uh, exactly the matchup we wanted. This is the one we've been talking about for weeks now, uh, Great Falls Central and Shelby. I did see that the Mustangs suffered some injuries on Saturday, so who knows uh, what the status of everybody will be in this one. But, uh, like you said, number Number one seed for the North on the line. Loser will get the number two seed. So both teams are in the playoffs with the home playoff game in the first round. But, uh, yeah, really high stakes to be a number one seed and have home field potentially up into the semifinals. And as far as those injuries are concerned for the Mustangs, play it safe if that is the case. You don't want anybody to get any more seriously hurt to where they do miss that playoff game. It'd be the following two weeks. Right. Uh, they'll have that one week off right there. So uh, stay tuned on that one. How about out east where we know Fairview and they've got some injuries themselves oh, that yeah. they're going to have to to deal with but here we are with circle culbertson uh i still think circle should be the three seed so that they can go <laughs> on the road again and do what they did last year but if they get a little home cooking with a win here who knows people are going to have to travel way out east right. to face them in that first round good luck and and that's the thing if you're if you're those teams i think if you're the teams in the in the east getting home field is much more important than if you're in any of the other districts in divisions in eight-man football because the travel is so daunting uh, to go all the way to eastern Montana or travel all the way from eastern Montana. So Circle and Colbertson playing for the number two seed as long as Fairview wins out, which we totally expect. Um, so, yeah, I think... I don't think it can be overstated how big this one is. I mean, it's the number two seed. You're going to get at least one home playoff game, and who knows? If things shake out the right way, you could get another home playoff game, and that's instead of traveling 10, 12, 14 hours like some of these guys do when they have to travel on the road. I'm trying to remember how many hundreds of miles Circle put on <laughs> it, during that run last year. It was something crazy. It, Up into the thousands? I, it was definitely 1,200, I want to say it was like 32 hours of drive time one way or something outrageous, which, uh, yeah, it's just when you're over there, I mean, that's part of being in eastern Montana. You know you're going to have to travel. I mean, best case scenario for, for basketball, you're still traveling to Billings. So, I mean, it's you're going to have to travel no matter what. So if in football, if you can get that home field advantage, I definitely think that is an advantage for the eastern teams if they're able to do that. Tom, the boys got a lot of experience during that playoff run last year year you know which program has playoff experience and we weren't surprised to see him start making this push how about ennis you know we lose the woods we lose these perennial you know ridiculous athletes that we have uh and now they go on the road at twin bridges each at four and two for a chance to jump up down there in the south as well right and this one is a win and you're in playoff you know you talked about that to start the podcast off a uh, winner this one's in the playoffs loser is out it's that simple for for those teams in the eight-man south because this year the south is only sending yep. three teams yep. because the north is sending five because of that massive 13 team league i think the south only had seven or eight teams yeah uh, so uh, Ennis, Twin Bridges playing for that third and final spot in the South behind Joliet and Hudson Moore, Judith Gap. And uh, you couldn't ask for much more than this. I mean, two programs that no postseason success have some tradition. They're 
pretty much rivals. I mean, I know down there in the south, they're, you know, Sheridan is in, in there too. But as far as competitive, consistently competitive, this NS Twin Bridges rivalry down there in the south is a pretty good one. That's definitely one to keep an eye on. Uh, who do you like to win? The, who do you like to win up there in the north and be the one seed? And then who do you think gets into the playoffs? Because like you said, this is your playoff for at least now for Shelby and Great Falls Central. But if you're NS or Twin Bridges, Better take care of business. If there's any trick play that you haven't <laughs> used in the season yet, it's time to open up that playbook. Right. Your postseason is on the line for, for those guys. So it's, yeah, you're either ending your season or you're, you know, buying at least one more week. So um, I'll take Shelby in the north. Uh, just with Great Falls Central, I think you do play it a little bit safer just uh, knowing the injury situation. Um, and then I have Ennis going on the road and winning against Twin Bridges. Uh, that's just kind of a scoreboard watching thing and, you know, the transitive property. They were this good against this team and blah, blah, blah. So I've got Ennis and Twin Ennis over Twin Bridges, Shelby over Great Falls Central, and then I will take Colbertson over Circle. Culbertson at home. I agree. I think Shelby probably wins, and it might be a different Great Falls Central team in a couple of weeks if if those injuries, which you know, we'll see how serious those are, but like you said, you'd rather have them in two weeks than have them retweak something. Uh, and Ennis, just based on, I mean, when was the last time Ennis was in an elimination game that wasn't <laughs> in the playoffs? Right. They just get into the playoffs, and then every game is on the line, obviously. And uh, I like Circle. I like Circle to go on the road and get that win, but you could certainly see that going either you're, way. You're just sucking up to all your Circle people up there. There were only like three of them, <laughs> and we went to college with one of them, so that was really about it. As old Taylor and the boys up there were trying to get <laughs> trying to get one more week last year in the semifinals. Uh, yeah, eight-man football, postseason, at least seating on the line, and then for Ennis Twin Bridges, keep an eye out on that one, montanasports.com. Let's just go back up to the top, Class AA football. We said it, didn't we? Didn't we say Great Falls I, High is on I, upset I don't alert? remember if I did, but I know you did. I know you picked Cowspell Glacier to upset Great Falls High, so kudos to you for making that pick. I, we get lucky every now and again. It just seemed like one of those things where Great Falls High – not that anything was going wrong for those guys, but Glacier's going to come in and knock somebody off. They did it with Helena, which is still inexplicable in my mind how they won by <laughs> that margin. You can tell me turnovers, you can tell me whatever you want, penalties, all that kind of stuff. I still have no idea how that score was possible. Uh, Great Falls High was down and did battle back. Yeah. I mean, they made this a lot closer than we thought it was going to be. Yeah, Caswell Glacier was up, what, three touchdowns, at, I think, at one point. Great Falls High battled back to make it a four-point game. I mean, this Great Falls High team is not the Great Falls High teams we've seen of the past decade. I mean, there is that fight and resilience there. There's obviously talent there. They've got enough wins under their belt they should feel okay about a playoff berth but um, you don't want to f mess around too much and put yourself in a position where you're having to win games down the stretch here so um, you know tough loss for Great Falls High but on the flip side Cowspell Glacier um, they still only have the two wins Helen High and Great Falls High but they are right back in the playoff hunt because there's just you have kind of that top tier you have what three teams at five and two one at six and one and one at seven and oh but beyond that um, you don't have, I mean, there's not a lot of separation between teams, what would that be, 6 through 13. So, um, Cowspell Glacier, getting that win keeps their slim, slim playoff hopes alive. And when we begin the season, we just figure somebody with a 500 record and maybe, depending on what happens, tiebreakers and some of that stuff, you could be 4-6 and six and sneak into the playoffs. We've seen that before uh, just due to tiebreakers and stuff right. like that. So if Glacier wins the next three games and does finish at 5-5, five and five, I mean, there's no reason to think that they certainly couldn't sneak into the playoffs. And it starts at home against Helena Capital, who's also reeling a little bit yep. after playing Billings West so well. I mean, it's... It was an ugly game, not from the terms of, you know, the turnovers or anything like that. It was just old-school-style football, like DeMarcus Carr and, and Capitals defense and some of that kind of stuff. You and I were both there last Friday. Uh, so Capital needs to get this win. I would say maybe even more than Glacier, even though Glacier's playoff hopes are probably on the line. If you're Capital, you're used to a home playoff game. You might not get it. Right. I think for, for this one, this is a must-win for both of these teams who have I don't think if you're Glacier, if you lose this game, you can probably kiss your playoff hopes Agreed. goodbye. Capital could probably still lose and sneak in, but like you said, they're they're not a team that's used to fighting for a number eight seed. Um, they're more a team that's used to being in that number, you know, four or better. Um, and it's it's just a, it's a weird year in Double A. I mean, we haven't seen both Helena Capital and Great Falls CMR struggle like this. I mean, those those two schools account for what half of the oh, Class Double yeah, A state championships probably. over the past. Yeah, forever. So it's just kind of a weird year. But I mean, so it's it's and Cowsville Glacier is another one of those teams where ever since they've been 
around, you've expected them to be playing in the semifinals. So um, you've got Glacier, Great Falls CMR, Helena Capital, those types of teams, ones that you're not used to seeing battling, struggling for playoff teams. That right now, they're in must-win scenarios the rest of the way. There's a ton of stuff on the line. Bozeman's in. Bozeman's going to be in the playoffs somewhere. Billings West is going to be in the playoffs somewhere. And then you mentioned all those five and two teams that are still, you yep. know, Helena High and Billings Senior and his flathead still five and yep. two, I believe. So, I mean, there's plenty to see there as far as seeding. We know that they're probably going into the playoffs, but any of those teams could lose the rest of their games and suddenly your tie capital right. wins three straight or <laughs> glacier wins three straight or one of those teams and <laughs> we've got a mess we've got a jumble at the bottom right and that's that's the thing with double a there is a ton of parity even though you look at the records you're like okay those teams are five and two and those teams are two and five but cowspell glacier two and five lost to billing senior by one seniors five and two they beat five and two helena high um they lost to cowsville flathead five and two by one so there's not much separation i mean the records say there are but there isn't a ton of separation between those five and two and two and five teams so uh yeah i think it's going to be a dogfight over these final three weeks to determine basically every playoff spot beyond the top two yeah i mean we know bozeman is probably going to be number one and we expect billings west to be number two beyond that who knows what's going to happen and senior could beat west in that last game of the year <laughs> and then win a tiebreaker and suddenly west is looking at a three four and depending on what else happens maybe they're looking at a road game all <laughs> right. of a sudden there's so much it's it's class double a football and the coaches are every one of them's cliche and they know it and we know it <laughs> but there's a reason that they're that cliche yeah. Yeah, I mean it's. I mean every game matters in Class AA football, and you know you're going to come back and you're going to look at a Week One score, and that's going to determine who made or missed the playoffs, or who's got a home game or who doesn't. So, um, yeah, it, like you said, it's every week. You don't really know what to expect. This week, on paper, there's not any good games. Billings West Missoula Sentinel is the only one with two teams with 500 or better records. Um, but beyond, I mean. You know that something is going to happen. You know, Missoula Hellgate won two games in a row. Does Billing Skyview come into Helena High and get a win? I mean, who knows what's going to happen this week? Uh, you and I saw on Friday the Grizz were at this Helena <laughs> Capital Billings West game, and today we found out why, and it was exactly why we assumed right. that they were there to begin with. Yeah, we uh, saw a couple Grizz coaches, uh, Brent Pease and CJ Cox. CJ right? Cox, yep, uh, were there at, at Vigilante Stadium watching Trevin Gradney. Uh, We've, we've known that both Montana State and Montana were interested in Gradney, the speedster uh, DB at Billings West, and he committed to UM this week. So uh, today, was that Wednesday? Earlier he today, so, he posted it on his Twitter page. Uh, haven't, uh, UM's not going to confirm anything right. on that at this point in time, but uh, we saw them. We saw the defensive backs <laughs> coach right there watching him. Uh, there were times he didn't have a good game against yeah, some of those I, speedy receivers, too. Right. I mean, there were definitely times that he was... Um, playing catch up against Helena Capital, but uh, you know there, I you, he, as as many times as it looked like he got beat, he didn't give up. Any no, good there was plays. nothing. So I mean, I don't know if it was you know he has that closing speed that you're looking for or what it was, but I mean uh, whether or not he was behind the receiver, they still weren't allowing big plays. So um, he did his job. Uh, it just didn't look that pretty from where we were standing. Obviously, we're not college coaches. We're not high school coaches. We don't know what the game plans were, what he was supposed to be doing. So, um, But obviously, the Grizz were impressed, and he's impressed by them, and he's made his intentions clear to go to UM. And like I said, it was kind of an ugly game in that sense anyway. So that's exactly what uh, the Grizz wanted to see from him, is keeping those shutdown plays. Uh, Class A football, how about our Lewistown? Golden Eagles. <laughs> Luke Durheim's going to be so happy that we keep riding this Lewistown train. Our Lewistown Golden Eagles. Winners of my, my Lewistown Golden S Eagles? Hey, I'm from that area. I, I hopped on the bandwagon, <laughs> but that was only because I talked to him immediately at that first Grizz game afterwards. The Trafton kid was over there, and they said, that will not happen again. So I said, all right, that's not going to happen again. They're, They're going to be the number two. And they were right. I mean, they've won six in a row now, and um, what be, what was it, 43-21 against, against Belgrade. So, uh, yeah, kudos to Lewistown for not letting it happen again. Um, but we'll learn more about Lewistown this week, I think. Um, you can't you can't take anything away. They've won the games on their schedule. Um, they've won six in a row to put themselves in position to contend for that number one seed out in Eastern A. But uh, the, the road gets a little bit tougher this weekend. Billing Central this week. Then was it Laurel next week? And uh, then no, no, no. Was Laurel, Laurel the last one of the year? Laurel plays oh, Billing Central. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, Sorry, Laurel Billing Central. 
um, they had already played Laurel. That right. was the week one loss. Uh, so Lewistown, with its hands full, look, we, we know about this offense. What do you do on defense, or what do you do on offense to try and not let Central score 40 points? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the biggest thing is we just keep seeing them pile up all these points on these other Eastern A-teams. Uh, nobody's had that recipe for success. But at this point in time, you've got so many game tapes you can go back and watch that maybe you can pick up little snippets. I don't know. Well, and Billings Central, to be, they have not played Laurel or Lewistown, so they haven't played the number two or three teams uh, in the Eastern A yet, so they've feasted on the likes of you know Glendive and Livingston and Harden and Haver, and you know they, they've beaten up on the teams that you would expect them to beat up on. Uh, that being said, their defense is really good. And they are able to force you into three and outs, force you into turnovers. They don't let you get into an offensive rhythm. Um, and then offensively, they have a quick strike offense, but they can grind it out too. I mean, not that they ever grind it out because you don't really do that when you're averaging 10 <laughs> yards a carry. But It's um, only when the snow is two feet, like right. that state championship against Miles City where you only need one score. Right. It's, that's exactly what it is. And that, this looks like it's... Kind of one of kind of one of those throwback billing central teams from about a decade ago where they have the really good offensive and defensive lines and then they have the explosive playmakers that are able to blow it open so yeah like you said lewistown has his hands well i don't know how you beat this billing central team uh you know that's again we're not coaches we just get paid to second guess what they do and it works for the most <laughs> part. Uh, the other class A again, I was really riding Frenchtown all of a sudden because they had that success story of, ah, our QB's down, we fill in the other kid, <laughs> we're undefeated, and then Dylan does Dylan things over the week. Just 18-14, I mean, that's still, Frenchtown is going to be right there, uh, but it doesn't get any easier that, for them either. And that was your halftime score, and yeah. then neither team scored in the second half, and Frenchtown was driving and had it in the fourth quarter in a position where they were going to be able to threaten for a touchdown, and then they fumbled. Dylan forced and recovered a fumble to kind of secure the win. So a very close game between two good teams in the Southwestern A, and um, we'll see this week if Hamilton is really on that different level like we think they might be in the conference when Hamilton travels to Frenchtown as well. Yeah, I think this one against uh, Frenchtown is going to be more than four points. That Dylan, And how about Dylan still being right in there as well? Those two teams playing a close game like that and, and the weird second half that you mentioned might be beneficial. Sure, you might lose if you're Frenchtown to Hamilton this week, but you get into the postseason. It could be beneficial against one of these Eastern A teams. Right, and I mean, the way the bracket's set up, I, I believe all your four Western wildcard teams are all on the same side of the bracket. Um, so um, you're going to end up with, you know, Columbia Falls and Hamilton, we'll say, on getting buys on the top half, but then those other four Western A wildcard teams on the bottom side going into play. Billing Central and a Laurel or Lewistown in the second round. So, uh, you know, it could shake out pretty well um, if you lose that game because, um, you know, you, you could be setting yourself up to play, uh, get an ideal matchup in the second round. But we're getting way ahead of where we need to be only right a, now. Only a couple weeks ahead. Uh, Hamilton Frenchtown is a big game right now. That one's coming up on Friday. Which one is closer? Lewistown, Billing Central, Hamilton, Frenchtown. We think Hamilton, who's number two in our polls. We think Billings Central, as far as the East and West are concerned right now, and throw Columbia Falls in there, but Hamilton already beat them. Uh, where's your point gaps in these two games? I Do we either get an upset? I, I have Billings Central and Hamilton winning both. Um, I have Frenchtown keeping it closer, I think. Um, you know, I just, I, I'm still hesitant to completely buy in with Lewistown. I know defensively Lewistown is a good team, um, but I just don't know offensively, you know, the the best team they've played, the the two best defenses they've played, Miles City and Laurel, and they've scored, what, 15 combined points in those two. Uh, so we'll, we need to, I need to see their offense uh, play better against better competition than we've seen so far. So I'm not completely sold on Lewistown yet. Um, but they could certainly change my mind on, on Friday. I'll flip you and say that's the closer game. I think Rostad and Rothy go for three touchdowns well, just because they're going to continue climbing every Class A record that we've I mean, seen from a quarterback and a that, receiver. That's going to be, you know, keep that means Frenchtown's keeping them out of the end zone at least once from what we're used <laughs> to seeing. So It's been impressive <laughs> so far uh, what those guys have been doing over there in Hamilton. Class A football, huge games on the line. Uh, Class B football, is Big Fork as good as we thought they were? Did Townsend catch him at the right time? Townsend scored a late touchdown yeah. to make this 21-14. to But 
21 to 14. I mean, Big Fork smashed Eureka by more than that. Big Fork, mm. uh, you know, has Missoula Loyola this week, but they beat Florence by more, you know. What happened? Alec was there. Alec was there. Um, my theory, and I wasn't there, my theory is, is that both Big Fork and Townsend kept things pretty close to the vest because that was a potential first-round matchup in the playoffs, so you probably don't want to show too much in that game. Yes, if you're Big Fork, you want to still get the win. I mean, obviously, both teams want to get the win, but my theory is and my guess is that Big Fork just kind of played it close to the vest and, and didn't bring out the whole playbook for that one. And I think Townsend can play good football. We oh, haven't yeah. seen it for a couple of weeks. Um, I think their defense... they. Early on when they were feasting on the bottom half, as we were saying, their offense was looking really good. But I thought defensively they still had enough firepower there to go. But, uh, yeah, Big Fork still unbeaten. Missoula Loyola unbeaten in conference play. So your number one seed comes down to, not most likely, knock on wood, but just this weekend with what happens with, and it's at Big Fork as well. So uh, we'll keep a close eye on that. The other one, I was thinking Florence was looking like, and four weeks ago I thought they were going to be a three seed over maybe Loyola. After Fairfield blasted Loyola, <laughs> Florence has a chance. They had the chance against Eureka oh, to do man. exactly that. That that game, from what we saw on Twitter, sounds like it was a really entertaining one. A lot of back-and-forth action late. Um, I believe Florence took a lead late in the fourth quarter, and then Eureka got the game-winning field goal a few moments later. Uh, big win for Eureka, first of all, to come back off of back-to-back blowout losses. Um and put themselves in position to get that number three seed in the West. Um, Florence, uh, by virtue of its win over Deer Lodge, is probably still going to get into the playoffs at number four. But if Deer Lodge is able to upset Eureka, then you've got a whole mess of things yep. going on there. Um, but, yeah, it was um, Eureka has to feel good about getting the win and, you know, kind of once you experience that first loss, and especially the way they did against Big Fork, losing as badly as they did, and then you do it again against Missoula Loyola, to get back into the win column and be able to find a little bit of, uh, find some successes uh, is big for a team that um, it doesn't take much to get them going, as we've seen in the past. Yeah, and Coach Utter's going to want that to be the wake-up call that has them getting hot again going into the postseason. Uh, who do you like while we're out in the West? Loyola, Big Fork, Big Fork stays unbeaten? I will take Big Fork. I'm not as confident this week as I would have been last week saying that. But, uh, yeah, I'll take Big Fork in that one. Just be, uh, A lot of it is because it is at Big Fork, too. Yeah, them being at home probably helps their cause a little bit. Huge game in Class B out in the West. Uh, the North, we've talked about Fairfield being up there. We almost, but with Big Fork winning, couldn't quite pull the trigger on it. We think Fairfield could very well be the number one team in Montana in Class B. We just didn't put them there yet right. ahead of Big Fork. Uh, and that's not even so much the Townsend game. That's just Fairfield being Fairfield. Right, and that's we we heard that and we talked about that before the season even started, that Fairfield was probably going to be the team to beat. Um, Big Fork just, you know, by virtue of its schedule and had the win over Eureka, I mean, that's kind of what propelled them to the top of the standings. Fairfield, obviously the win over Loyola uh, is one of, is a really impressive one this season. But um, after Friday, I guess we'll we'll know if we can put Fairfield at number one or if Big Fork is, the, is deserving of that top spot. Behind Fairfield, there was the talk of Malta, Cutbank, Glasgow. Malta getting past Cutbank, and that's a week after Glasgow got past Cutbank. So at this point... Between Glasgow and Malta, what, I mean, somebody's got to get in there and get that number two seed, and somebody's going to have a long trek to make up to the eastern part of the high line in the playoffs. Yeah, and that's Cutbank. You know, they were a team that you were pretty high on three weeks ago, and now with those two losses, they're oh, probably I'm still there. They're probably slotted into the number four seed out of the north, I believe, based yeah. on that. Um, yeah, they clinched the number four seed with a win over Wolf Point this week. Um, Malta and Glasgow um, have both clinched playoff berths, so um, we're just kind of playing for positioning. I think Malta and Glasgow play next Probably that, week yeah. in the regular season finale, that Highline rivalry, one of the best rivalries in the state up there. Um, so for Malta and Cutbank both, or for Malta and Glasgow to both get past Cutbank, um, to put themselves in position to get a home playoff game, uh, they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do this time of year, and that's what you expect out of those programs. Fun for that rivalry to have that winner gets a number two seed and the loser's going to have to go on the road. Keep an eye on that one in a couple of weeks here. Uh, Big Timber Coal Strip, we've talked a lot about Big Timber here in recent weeks, and we never really stopped being high on Coal Strip uh, despite that home loss against Roundup. What was that, three weeks ago now at this point? They turn around, beat Huntley Project. And now Colstrip at 6-1, and one, bringing in Big Timber. 
Is this kind of that same thing where we talk a lot about the <laughs> offensive Big Timber like we did Roundup and then the defensive Coal Strip, or is it more... I mean, Big Timber's defense is pretty dang good, too. Um, and Coal Strip's offense is... I mean, I think these are, these are two pretty evenly matched teams. Um, it's not... We talked about this last week. We don't see these non-conference games this late in the year very often. So you get a Big Timber Coal Strip game... Uh, it's it's going to again. Who knows what they'll show? Yep. But because yep. Big Timber's already clinched the number one yep. seed in in the South, um, Coal Strip, um, you know they are probably going to be a two or three, probably a number two seed, maybe a three seed out of the East. So these two teams could see each other again come playoff time. So um, it's just a fun non-conference game. Hopefully both teams play well. Hopefully they both try to win and they're not worried about not showing things or whatever, um, just so we can get a good barometer of that, of the East versus the South. Just kind of a fun one to keep an eye on, and we certainly will be this weekend. Uh, we already talked about eight-man football. Six-man football, this is where we were really starting to see in these last probably three weeks of the season. Not that we're not seeing it in the other leagues, but this was your playoff positioning for a lot of these teams where every single one of them had played the bottom half of their conferences, and now it was time to start playing one another. Uh how about Jordan over Westby well, Granora? That so we didn't know that score until I went on the Facebook Live at a little after ten on Friday, and somebody just commented Jordan thirty eight, Mondak thirty two, and I was uh, what like didn't I, seem right. I just did not see that coming. You know, Mondak Westby Granora got the lead all kid back, so you thought that defensively they yep. would uh, they'd come around. Jordan is not a team traditionally known for its defense. It's the one that gave up more than 100 points to Richie Lambert in the beginning of the year. Uh, so kudos to Jordan. This is a huge win for Jordan. Uh, puts them in position to get the number three seed in the East. Uh, more, in, I mean, not to take away from Jordan here, but to me the story is if West Virginia finishes as the number four seed in the East, they will play Grass Range, win it probably, or Roy Winifred, in the first round of the playoffs. And that's just a nightmare matchup if your grass range win it or Roy Winifred drawing a West Virginia team like that in the first round. So kudos to Jordan for a really impressive win. They've kind of just been there. Yeah. We haven't yeah. really talked about Jordan a lot because they started off that season losing by 50 to Richie Lambert. I believe they've already played Weibo, so they've got they had those two early season losses. They're five and two. Yeah, I mean, those are the only losses they have. Those are the only losses they have, and those are two really good losses. I mean, as good a losses as you can have when you lose by fifty. Uh, so Jordan is, Jordan's right there, and they're going to be, um, they're going to be the number three seed out of the out of the East come playoff team playoff time, and that's going to make things really interesting in that first round. Very, very strange. Weebo Richie Lambert is this weekend, so that's going to be the other one to really keep an eye on for one and two. And like you said, Westby Granora as a four seed, A, doesn't sound right after what we've seen the last, what, four, five, whatever it's I, been I years. I think they were they hopped four in there. seed the first, the like three years ago maybe. Like it might have been uh, Jeremiah Payne's first year starting after Cooper Olson left. They might have been a four seed in Jeremiah Payne's first year starting. I can't remember, um, but that was definitely their worst. Um, was his, worst was his sophomore season, um, and who knows? Maybe it's the same type of thing with you know when you're working in a new quarterback. Uh, maybe that's the same type of deal for West Virginia this year. But uh, um, there's going to be a pesky out. Both, I mean, no, that e the East, uh, the East and the North, I think have more depth more competitive balance than the other conferences um so i think uh you could see, definitely see some upsets in the in the six-man playoffs let's stick there before we jump out to the western side of things do you like Weibo or richie lambert at home both five and zero in conference play again winner is knock on wood your number one seed barring an upset in the last week of the season where the tiebreaker comes down Weibo's our number one ranked team yep and we think they'll stay there I yeah, think they'll stay. I, I think yeah. they will too. I've got Weibo in this one. I do expect it to be pretty close, and um, but I, I do think that Weibo gets the win here. The other one you talked about the competitive North. How about Big Sandy over Denton Geyser Stanford, sixty six thirty one. Thought that might come down to the last couple of possessions right. when you're looking at that one on paper. A uh, huge win for the Pioneers, and and we thought they were good. We think they're a team that can make some noise in the playoffs. But now if you're DGS. God, you have to go on the road against Geraldine Highwood as well and try and, yeah. and, and maybe this is, I, I don't know, if you're looking at it from their perspective, maybe this is where Coach Newman just says, look, if we weren't hungry last week, we better be now. And that's DGS 
you know, they've had kind of that weird schedule where they kind of they played the bottom half of the North, but non-conference. They got the win over White Sulphur Springs. Yep. They lost to Grass Range, win it, and then they come back into conference. They play Big Sandy last week, Geraldine Highwood this week, and Sunburst next week. So those are probably the top three seeds, yep. three of the top four seeds out of the North for the playoffs. So just a really brutal, difficult stretch of the schedule for DGS. Um, you know, they, I think they had their hands full with Geraldine Highwood. Uh, I was surprised that Big Sandy beat them as handily as they did because Big Sandy's not a team that um, you look at and think of them as an explosive team. They're more, I mean, they, they're a good team. They are one of the best teams in six-man football, in my opinion. They're just not somebody that you expect to put up 66 on another high-quality team. No, and, and to limit them to 31, if you would have told me they'd have scored 66, I assume DGS would have had either 60 or 70 <laughs> to be right there right. with them. But uh, kudos to their defense to stop that, and, and there could have been some things from DGS's standpoint as well. But uh, grass range win it, and Roy Winifred. A lot of people not talking about Roy Winifred still. This is where we can see if they should be still talking about Roy Winifred against that same Bridger team that your uh, GR Dub folks already beat earlier in the season. Yeah, Roy Winifred, Alec Boffinger will have a story on Roy Winifred posted to MontanaSports.com uh, late Wednesday. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, you can check out that story on Roy Winifred, which is trying to stay undefeated this weekend against Bridger. There has not been a quieter undefeated team in re- my recent memory. Um, I'm very, uh, I'm interested to see how this goes because based on, you know, I guess perception, and I don't know a ton about Roy Winifred, but my perception is that Bridger should be favored in this game. Um, so Roy Winifred can go in there and make a statement, and then Roy Winifred plays win at Grass Range, Grass Range win it next weekend for the conference championship. So, um Kind of like DGS, Roy Winifred beat the teams it needed to at the in the bottom half of the league, and now closes out with the top two teams in Bridger and Grass Range winning. And here's your scenario: Bridger beats Roy Winifred. They're both seven and one. Roy Winifred beats Grass <laughs> Range win it next weekend. You're all eight and one, and that three-way tie at the top of the standings. And that's when we get out calculators, and right? Pencils Point and differential. All the fun nonsense, I mean, Grass so. Range win it one. 27 to 0, so um, those numbers are going to come into play. Um, maybe not here in this this specific instance, but somewhere along the line, how much you beat a team by is going to matter. And that's put that, that I'm not going to open up an entire different can of worms. Let's go out to the West in six man football. Score as many points as you can, teams. Uh, <laughs> White Sulphur Springs over Valley Christian. We've talked a lot about these teams beating each other up. Uh, I'm trying to remember, did you take Hot Springs? That was who you thought was going to come out yep. on top of this one. West and Yellowstone is still right there with just the one league loss. Um, this is where the separation comes, though. I, I stand by it. I think Hot Springs is the team that's going to win the six-man West. And here, I've got the breakdown for you. Um, oh, if Hot Springs, West Yellowstone, and White Sulphur Springs all tie at the top of the standings, um, Hot Springs is one, West Yellowstone is two, White Sulphur Springs is three. Um, if West Yellowstone slips up and loses one of these final two games, White Sulphur Springs is one, Hot Springs is two. Um, if White Sulphur Springs loses one of these games, Hot Springs is one, West Yellowstone is two. If Hot Springs loses one, West Yellowstone is one, and White Sulphur Springs is two. Not that anybody's going to remember that or even knows what I said. <laughs> um, I see you about to fall asleep no, over I'm there. No, so, I'm about to jump uh, into the other side. So, the four seed is where uh, I'm going. Basically, we know those will be the top three teams. The four seed would be either Valley Christian or Knoxon. They play each other next weekend. Um, so really right now, if Knoxon or Valley Christian is able to spring an upset this week, it throws a wrench into things. Otherwise, as much as we've talked about the West being competitive and them beating up on each other and it being unpredictable, it's going to be pretty straightforward come seeding. And that's what I was going to ask. Do you see, A, do you see Knoxon beating West Yellowstone or do you see Valley Christian beating Hot Springs this week? Uh, no. I think the favorites, West Yellowstone and Hot Springs, um, both win. I think Knoxon has the potential to keep it close, though. I think Knoxon, if I were going to hedge my bets and say one of them was more likely to get the upset, I would say Knoxon. They're both at home. I agree, Knoxon. So that was going to be the other question is if they're both 4-3 and three going into next week, and we'll talk about this next week if that's the case, but 
who do you like? We've heard a lot from uh, the Valley Christian folks out there. They've been on board. They want this playoff run. They're hungry for it. Uh, we haven't heard as much about Noxon. No, I think this is one of those ones where I think Noxon has probably built a little more on its defense and Valley Christian a little more on its offense. Um, in November, October, November, and the snow's flying, you tend to lean toward those defensive teams. Um, what's the saying? Offense wins Offense wins games, games. defense wins yeah. championships. Um, not that Noxon, not that I'm picking Noxon to win the championship, but uh, this time of year you like to see those teams that defensively can buckle down. So I would probably lean toward Noxon, but um, we can definitely discuss that further next week. Absolutely. Stay tuned. MontanaSports.com. Friday, Saturday, download the app, Montana Sports. You'll have the live high school scoreboard pages. The standings will be updated. And, of course, all the video highlights that our team shoots across the state. Before we jump college football, should we throw some Ryan at him? Sure. Ryan Leaf. Oh, Ryan Leaf. I thought you were talking Ryan Adams. We can throw Ryan Adams. <laughs> How about Brian Adams? No, let's go somewhere different with this. Our Sunday conversations have been kind of fun sitting down with some of these sports figures. And even before we started the Sunday conversations, who's that one guy that they always wanted us <laughs> to sit down with? But from what we had seen, he wanted no part of that with the local media. You could always catch Ryan Leaf on the Dan Patrick Show, uh, lately on the Pac-12 Networks. We hadn't been as fortunate to get those interviews until this past week yeah he's you know he's very, made it very clear he has a broken relationship with the great falls community and he has taken ownership that he's done some really bad things that have deserved to fracture that relationship so um he hasn't been welcome in montana uh he did come back and had a couple of speeches so uh, yeah great that tom wiley um our guy over there up at, at krtv in great falls was able to catch up with ryan leaf and um he's one of the most polarizing sports figures in montana history um so um, no matter which side of the aisle on it's always nice to hear from him himself um you know to hear him take ownership of his past mistakes i thought was very interesting and i liked tom's first question which you're going to hear right here after this was on his way to Cutbank, he had to drive right past that Shelby prison, which he spent time in, and uh, his thoughts on that driving down Highway 2. I think I texted weird to my, my parents. Um, it feels like it was 20 years ago, you know, but I, I know it was a lot sooner. It's just as my life has changed dramatically just because of simply the, the choices I've been making over the last three and a half years. So I feel like if I continue to do it and that, and part of that is to show up here and, and kind of share my story and try to impact the community that I probably felt like I took from most of my life. Montana, it's all about cowboying up and kind of pushing the, the you know, emotional uh, stigma to the side and such. I mean, is it important, even more important to have things like this where you get to share your story and share your message in places like this? Yeah, for sure. I mean, my answer to that is like, how's that working for you? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, it's, it never is. And uh, until uh, Montana is one of the highest suicide rated um, communities in the, in the union. So, you know, I want that to change. I don't want anybody to ever not be here because they didn't feel like they're worth it and not that there are, and there are resources available. Um, you know, I, I talked with the community tonight and said, hey, you know, I'm disappointed there's not more people. But like I said, when people show up to these things, they have to really kind of take a look in the mirror and, and take a look at themselves. And I know I was that person for a long time and I wasn't willing to do it too. So it's gradual it's steps. There's stereotypes, there's stigma that exists things that existed, like I said, in the 60s that are still still struggling to get uh, into our uh, our communities. Um, you know, I may, may not be alive to see the end of the stigma, but I'm going to not just pack it in every night because, you know, not, often, not enough people are showing up. There's enough people that are showing up that are trying to be part of the solution, and if I continue to do that, you know, positive things happen. Someone comes up to you and says your message, your story has, has helped them or, or uh, you know, help them not make the similar choices that you made. I mean, how much uh, uh, gratitude and, and uh, do, you, do you feel for that? It's pretty special mm -hmm. to, to connect on that level. I mean, for the longest time, my identity was as an athlete, um, and that's what I was going to give back to or my legacy, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I was just down at the College Football Hall of Fame giving a speech, and I was being honored for what I'm doing in the communities and uh, that are completely out of the realm of football. Um, and I always thought I wanted to be there because of my um, my accolades of on the football field where, you know, it's just, it, it's just not important. And it took me a long time to figure that out and I had to be humbled in a way where, uh, where I needed to realize that because, um, you know, I'd love to be recognized for 
how honest I am rather than how good I was on the football field. Tomorrow you get a chance to speak to the high school kids here and such. They didn't get a chance to see you play. Some of them might not have been old enough uh, when you were going through your struggles uh, early. How do you bridge that gap? Well, I think that the video, the introductory video kind of shows it. Uh, they show who, who I was drafted with. I think they, once you, any kids at this age, you, you say NFL, and then you say $31 million, and you say the only Montanan ever. I mean, it's not like they can reach for, for more things. You know, that's, that usually pulls somebody in, and, and then you got to, you know, be honest with them, you know, brutally honest with them, and tell them uh, you can't sugarcoat your story. You tell them like it is, and, and they do with it what they will. I can't control what they do with my message. The point of me showing up and just doing it is the, the whole point. I'm going to stay sober because of it, and I'm going to be a better, you know, person, husband, father because of it, and I can't necessarily take it personally when um, people don't listen and they have to go down the same path. My hope is that they don't, but uh, I'm going to sleep well at night because of what, what I'm doing and what my, part of it, what my part in it is. You know, you said in your speech that you can't control what people think about you. Uh, in your hometown, there's always going to be a complicated relationship with, with Ryan Leaf. Uh, how has the relationship changed with Great Falls, uh, you know, over the years from, from growing up to where you're at now? I, I don't know. I don't, it, I don't think it's gotten any better. Um, I would even dare to say it's probably gotten worse um, just because I was, I victimized the community, A. Um, I think that's probably the most important part of it. Uh, B, I didn't live up to expectations. Um, and how I felt I needed to be to get out of this state and, and try to make it to be the first Montana ever drafted in the first round of the NFL draft, I think is uh, there's something to that. Um, no matter how poorly the community treated me, I couldn't control that. I still had control over how I reacted, and I reacted in a defensive manner and usually kind of went back at them in a way where I felt like I could uh, make them feel bad, like disassociate being part of the community, and, and, and so I, I can't control how people treated me or, or how they continue to treat me. I just know that uh, um, I'll do whatever I can mm -hmm. to get through the day um, in a positive way, and that's the only thing I have control over. My hope is that, um, you know, that that relationship someday will be mended, um, but I don't necessarily think that it needs to either. I think that we're in the mindset of like, let's not fix what ain't broken. Great Falls is doing great. Uh, I'm doing great, and that's you know I think that's uh, a good way to look at it. Ryan, do you have good memories from your time at CMR? When you look back at that time, is there anything that, that bubbles up that's that's positive and good? Yeah, I mean Mike McLean. You know, he came in my senior year, and he just changed my whole disposition on what I what I experienced at 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 CMR uh, with, with the way he approached things, how he was, a, he was a player's coach. He was tough on me, but he, he just saw me as kind of like an uh, unbridled colt, and he, just, he wasn't going to try to break me. He was just going to uh, you know, let me have fun and, and experience what high school football and, and basketball was supposed to be like. And I, uh, I definitely look back on my senior year there playing basketball for Mike McLean as probably the uh, the best part of high school, and he, you know, he he really made a significant um, impact on my life moving forward. I still see him around all the time. Do you guys stay in contact at all? Do yeah, okay. yeah, we do. Uh, and, and another thing, he's just he's he always had my back. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just he didn't buy into what he heard when he came to town. He knew that you know I had a very he had a very talented player, and and there was going to be a way to coach me where we would be successful together. Mm -hmm. And that translated into the next level where I went to play for Coach Price, you know, very similar, um, where we would be confrontational with each other, but we respected one another and, and we kind of got the most out of one another. Mm -hmm. And in uh, uh, similar stops along the way in the NFL too, Tony Dungy, uh, Mike Holmgren, stops like that, June Jones, where there were coaches that were similar, where they all started with Mike McLean. And, and I think he was kind of the blueprint uh, for how to coach me. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and get the most out of me because he—I mean—he got the most out of me uh, um, on the basketball court than any any coach had up to that point. Uh, was there any pressure, you know, uh, that contributed to some of the struggles that you went through as a young guy, uh, uh, just following the footsteps of a guy like Dave Dickinson or anything like that? Or no, because then I always—I you know—I grew up playing uh, street ball with Dave. He lived a block from me, you know, and it was so cool to be able to play with the older kids. And you know, 
and, and I never looked at it as pressure. I looked at it as like, I'm going to be better than him. You know, it was just how it was going to be. Uh, I just saw myself as more physically talented, so I was just like, this is going to be how I'm going to do it. But I could never quite live up to those expectations because he was just, I mean, he just, you know, he, he cast a long shadow. It's probably a big reason why I wanted to leave the state, not go to Montana necessarily, and um, you know. But uh, I, I thought it was the only way for me to to, to do that. You know, um, I don't know if there was really any ever pressure because he was uh, such a hero of mine. <laughs> I wanted to kind of be, I wanted to be like him. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to wear that that green and gold, and I wanted to. Um, I even I even wore number 16 because it was right next to his. I just. Um, he was he was a hero of mine, and to, and to see him getting inducted to the College Football Hall of Fame this year is um, that's so cool. Speaking of doing great, how's fathership treat? Yeah, uh, fa- being a father is just uh, it's just it's the coolest thing. I you know I just never thought that that would be words that would come out of my mouth that I'm a father, and um, it's the best thing I'll ever do. Mm-hmm. And th- what makes that great is that I have an amazing partner to to do it with. Uh, she. Uh, we're, we're this team, you know, we even, I started a company called Ram Consultant and that's, that's our, our family, Ryan, Anna and MacGyver, you know, and that's, that's who we are and we're going to, we're going to ride or die together. And I think, I, I think that's the best way to look at it. And, uh, um, he's the most precious, he's a giant already, <laughs> um, you know, and he never stops moving, but, uh, uh I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it any other way. Ryan Leaf, the latest Sunday conversation. You can find those every Sunday afternoon-ish is when we get them posted at MontanaSports.com, the full interviews, the transcriptions of those interviews if you'd rather read than watch. Uh, But the Montana Sports YouTube page does have the playlist for the Sunday conversations. And we're going to Grizzland this week. I know people have been waiting. We've had two Bobcat (laughs) things. We'll have some Montana Grizzlies stuff this weekend. Yeah, we're, we will definitely spread the love. It's Montana Grizzlies this weekend. Um, there's been a couple Bobcats. I don't know. Do we have any more Bobcats on the dock? I, I don't think, think that's we have anything so scheduled. So, um, yeah, we've got the Sunday conversation. Unless the Big Easy decides that he wants to chat. But I don't know. if Do we consider him a Bobcat anymore? I, 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 doubt, I don't think you can. I doubt can it. You? I doubt you do anymore. Um, but, yeah, the, the Sunday conversations have been fun for us. Um, they're they're very interesting to me and they're insightful you get to kind of see some different you know hear the different um, pers- perspectives and it's just nice to get their point of view you can find those at montanasports.com slash category slash sunday dash conversation you can find all six of those we've done and whichever new ones we add later on and uh this one this week i would consider the most humorous that we've had this, so this far. one's fun yeah, yeah this is this is a fun one for sure all right let's jump into the big sky conference montana state had the bye last week after falling to eastern washington they welcome in a paul petrino coached idaho team that is limping uh, into Bozeman after just getting smacked by Idaho State. Uh, how about Idaho State, first of all? But, man, this is a must-win for the Bobcats and for Idaho. One of these teams is really going to be reeling if they lose this next Big Sky Conference game. Yeah, and for Montana State, you look at this one as you're coming off of a bye week. You cannot lay an egg. You just I mean, That's got to be the goal here. Um, you come out, you dominate against a team that is reeling like Idaho is right now. It's homecoming for Montana State. Um, so uh, this, to me, if you're the Bobcats, sets up perfectly for you to go out there and get a statement win. Um, every time you've had an opportunity for a statement win, you've gotten blown out. Um, the statement here isn't going to be a win. It's going to be dominating in this game, and that's got to be the goal for Montana State this week. I'm trying to remember. They've got Idaho. They've got at Idaho State at the end of the month. What's in between? Do you remember off the top of your head for Montana State? I do not remember the schedules off the top of my head. But anyways, they're going to have both of those Idaho teams here in the month of October, Uh, and that Idaho State game, should Montana State win the next two, that could be huge if Idaho State stays as hot as they have as well. Yeah, Idaho State. Uh, I was looking at the preseason coaches poll, and they were a bottom three or four team. They're a Montana Western. <laughs> and Idaho, UC Davis was down there too. Yeah, and that's true. Idaho State and UC Davis are looking like uh, two of the best teams in the Big Sky Conference, two of the teams with um, the best playoff chances out of there alongside Eastern Washington. So um, Montana and Montana State both uh, can't really afford slip-ups. Um, you know, you can maybe get into the playoffs at eight and three, maybe at seven and four, but it's unlikely this year with the, with I think the overall depth and strength of the of the Big Sky Conference. So yeah, Montana State, 
and Idaho both in must-wins right now, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how Montana State responds to having that week off and coming off of a loss like they are against Eastern Washington. Absolutely. Uh, Idaho State and UC Davis play this weekend, by the way, so that'll be huge for conference standings. How about what happened in Missoula uh, last Saturday and how shocking that one was? Let's Usually when we do these podcasts, you kind of play the role of host and I'm more of the guest. You ask me questions, so I think we need to flip uh, our our roles here because you were at Washington Grizzly Stadium and I got a sense that you did not believe what you were seeing. So um, I believe your your words were, what the hell did we just watch inside Washington Grizzly Stadium? So now that you've had four or five days to think on it, what the hell did you watch who, in Washington who, Grizzly Stadium? Who is it on ESPN that's always jabbering and going off? Uh, it's not Skip Bayless anymore because he's over at Fox Ste- Sports. Stephen A. Smith? I, I feel like we could go all Stephen A. Smith on this, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. Portland State had lost, what, 17 of 18 games. Who did they beat? College of Idaho. The College of Idaho, who was winless until they beat Carroll College. Congratulations, you beat an NAIA team. That a probably wasn't very good. Team. So you haven't won a Big Sky Conference game since November of 2016. Everybody in that stadium is prepared to have a drunk homecoming weekend. But the Grizz had won, what, 29 of their past 29 and 3, I think, yeah. right? In homecoming. in homecoming games. I've been to two Grizz homecoming games. They've lost both. <laughs> That's half of their history of homecoming <laughs> losses that I've somehow been to in the last six years. Uh Portland State played well. Portland State didn't play great. Portland State played well. I don't think Portland State can play yeah, great. Yeah, I'm not sure if they can play great. I mean, they they looked like a junior varsity team, I'll be honest with you, which makes this even more embarrassing if you're Montana. You should be ashamed. You should be. I hope to God none of them went out in public in Missoula all weekend long, and if they did, I hope that they felt the brunt of it because it was embarrassing. The offense, Dalton Sneeds overthrowing every single receiver, and then the few times that he actually looked like Dalton Sneed from the past, what have they played, four or five weeks, whatever it's been, guys are dropping it. Curran, Louis McGee, Jerry dropped like two passes that should have been huge first downs. My biggest gripe, my two biggest gripes, here you go. The Grizz are up by a point. It was 20 to 19. The clock is ticking. The clock is running. They have a third and three, if I remember correctly. Uh, The offense decides to go with a pass play. High percentage pass play. It might have been behind the line of scrimmage when they tossed it. And Keenan Curran, trying to fight for extra yards, you're in field goal range, fumbles. They'd already fumbled three times, lost all three of them, and Portland State had scored on every single one of them. They fumble again. Okay, you've still got the lead. You've still got the home stadium that looked more nervous than, you know, insert the blank here for all kinds of scenarios. They start driving. First down, big pass plays. Second down, they're moving. Do you agree with, and this is the argument every single time, defense shouldn't call timeout because it gives the offense to game plan even more. They're already carving you apart. Yeah, I mean, if they're carving you apart, I don't see any problems in calling a defensive timeout and trying to fix the problems. If your defense is holding up fine, then, yeah, you want to make them use the clock, but you can't just give up yards um, because you want to make them use clock. That was gripe number two. Uh, They gave up yards, didn't call the timeout until I think there were 11 seconds left. We're in like 50-yard field goal range, so Portland State has one timeout. They're going to have to call it to stop the clock just to save themselves for the field goal. The Grizz called it. They did get a tackle for loss on the next play, but Portland State had the benefit of that clock stopping without wasting their timeout. They bring out a freshman. How big, you know, he's, he's, that was gutsy. We could say a lot of things about that, but for a freshman, Cody Williams, to come in for a 52-yarder game, uh, game winner in Washington Grizzly, I've never seen so many mixed emotions of people <laughs> that were ticked off, people that they were, I saw crying, I saw tears, <laughs> and then I just saw shock, and that's where I sat was, what, the, like you said, what the hell did we just watch? Uh, this I team mean, is not good. On on Friday, on the Facebook Live, when you, you weren't here because you had to anchor the show at KTVH, but I had somebody ask my score prediction. I predicted Montana 49-21. Oh, yeah, four I, touchdowns. I expected them to double up Portland State, and that's based off of everything we know about Portland State being awful. Portland State um, got blown out by Montana State. Their only win was against College of Idaho. They were winless last year. They were 3-8 and eight the year before that. Uh, 
they are just not a good football program right now. Um, I, I've even heard rumors that this is a football program that might not exist oh, yeah, it's not quite too far possible. down the line. So, um, High school games draw more attendance at home than Portland State does a lot so of times. This, like you said, this is an this is an embarrassing loss. This is an awful loss. Um, to me, Montana does not deserve to be ranked in the top 25. You lose this game. I don't care what other wins you have, but the Grizz don't have uh, any other quality wins. They don't have a single quality win. Their best win is Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa is 2-3 this year. Um, the only team they've beaten that has a 500 better or record is Drake. And I don't think anybody thinks Drake is that good of a football team. So um, Montana, we've, t- we've talked about this before, but Montana and Montana State are both in that neighborhood in the big sky where they're going to beat the bad teams and they're going to maybe be competitive with some of the good teams. Right now, Montana can't even consistently beat the bad teams. Like This is, this is an awful loss. And um, to me, this one... This loss is going to haunt them all season long because this is going to keep them out of the playoffs. I don't think Montana can run the table and go 9-2. and two. I don't know that they're going to be able to go 8-3. and three. If they go 7-4 and four with this loss, there's no way they get into the playoffs. So Montana has to win every game from here on out to feel safe. I wouldn't even feel safe at 8-3 and three if I'm them because this is that bad of a loss. Uh, so they have to win, and it doesn't get any easier this week. You go to a good North Dakota team playing in their place, a tough place to play. Um, yeah, this is – Montana has – this, like you said, embarrassing. It's inexplicable. It's an awful loss. Worst home loss in team history. I don't care how far. I don't need to go back and look <laughs> through the record books. I will guarantee you this should be considered the worst home loss in program history. Bobby Houck said after the game, there are no silver linings. I'll talk about that in a second. He also said he didn't want to look at himself in the mirror. Good. You shouldn't. Uh, that was terrible. Uh, Dante Olson is your silver lining. The defense is your silver lining. They... Portland State fumbled more times than Montana did. They had five fumbles. They still lost three of them. Your defense did, and then they actually got the fumble that set the Grizz up before they turned around and fumbled and let Portland State go down and kick the game winner. So I, I defense, love how fired up you are right your now. Your defense wish, did everything I, it was supposed to do. I wish this do. was a video podcast so people could see how animated you are right now. There's hand motions. There's all sorts. Like you're this shaking is going, over This there. is going back to how ticked <laughs> off I was about let's not play Tucker Rovig at Montana State, which, by the way, we better see Tucker Rovig on Saturday uh, when we take on Idaho. <laughs> All right, let's go to the Frontier, Frontier Conference. Conference. Football. We've only had we only have four minutes left on the podcast here because we have some other things we have to get to. So, uh, Frontier Conference, Rocky Mountain College. Wow, what a win! Dominating Southern Oregon, which was ranked number two at the time. The Batland Bears were up 34-14 in the third quarter, get a 34-21 win. That's the Rocky team that we thought we were going to see from the get-go. Let's see that Rocky team the rest of the year. If we do, they're in the playoffs. Uh, I didn't think Southern Oregon should have been number two. I felt like that was too high just based on some yeah. of the, the pieces that they lost last year. But huge win for Rocky. And now we've got the jumble that we talked about last week. Right. Uh, and then Montana Western over Montana Tech. Good grief, Western. I mean, number 19 in the country now. Yeah. Uh, they're right there. They've got, what, Carroll this weekend. So let's assume that they get that win. And then we're going down the stretch with Western, Southern Oregon, Rocky. And don't count out Tech just yet because with just two losses, if they run the table, there you got three, maybe even Eastern Oregon. You've right, got four I, teams right I, there. And when I was I was looking up the standings today, and it's Eastern Oregon sitting there at three and two, and that's a team that um, obviously we're in Montana, so we don't talk about, it, about them a ton, but... That's a team that I didn't know was three and two. I wasn't expecting to look at the standings like, holy crap, Eastern Oregon's right there. And if they, you know, one more bounce, one ball bounces their way, who knows where they're going to end up? So, uh, Southern Oregon, I think, is ranked seventh now. Um, that's probably more in line with where they should be. I think they're probably still a top ten team, but I think Rocky is a potent right there to a top fifteen team in the country. So, uh, and Montana Western has proven that it's right there too. So, um, are we to a point now where we can maybe see that we could talk? about three teams getting in could happen it could happen uh it's still really challenging and really difficult but 
If you see each of those three teams play like we've seen them capable of playing, then it certainly could. If they don't, if Montana Western falls against Carroll, if Rocky falls against Northern, you're going to hear another rant from me next week about the <laughs> Frontier Conference this time instead of Cats or Grizz. Yeah, and that's if you're, if you're Western, Rocky, Southern Oregon, I think, and even Tech, um, you cannot lose another game. Uh, those four teams, Eastern Oregon right there too, uh, those five teams, one more loss, you're out of the playoffs. Um, for a Montana Tech or an Eastern Oregon, you might already be out. But uh, for Southern Oregon, Rocky, and Montana Western, if you can run, win out, if you only lose to one of the, each other, Rocky or Southern Oregon, if you're Western, blah, 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 um, you might be able to get into the playoffs. So, um, yeah, Rocky Mountain College, Montana Western coming off of big wins. Um, last week, College of Idaho went on the – was home, beat Carroll College, got their first win of the season, as I predicted – um, and then Eastern Oregon got the win over MSU Northern. This week, it's Carroll College at Montana Western, Northern at Rocky, College of Idaho at Montana Tech, which I will be at on Saturday, Eastern Oregon at Southern Oregon, uh, rounding out your Frontier Conference late this week. Scoreboard page, montanasports.com under the Frontier. Stay tuned to that on Saturday. We'll up the standings as well. Uh, we got a Facebook Live and stuff to get to here, so that'll probably have to wrap things up, right? That will wrap Anything it up. else we need to rant about really quick? Download the Montana Sports app, both the Montana Be Sports. Be angrier. Tell Montana, them. Montana Sports, one word on both Android and iOS devices. If you're not subscribed to the podcast and you just stumbled across us, you can do so. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and you can get this uh, delivered right to your phone so you can hear Richie rant about the Frontier Conference next week. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you guys next Wednesday.